When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been blogging about the Orioles for more than a decade on CamdenChat.com. In 2023, I'm back in the podcasting game. Whether you've been reading me forever or just found me today, I'm glad to have you here with me. Let's talk some Orioles. It's now April the 7th, 2023, the day of the home opener in Baltimore. Rescheduled, although it never really did rain during the game window, the Orioles come into this season home opening series with a 3-3 three and three record. They are three games back of the undefeated Tampa Bay Rays, who, by the way, are now the first 6-0 and team since the 2016 Orioles, who actually started that season off with a 7-0 and record. So we'll see if the Rays can end up topping the 2016 Orioles, not that... Uh, starting off with such a great undefeated streak necessarily means you're going anywhere all that good over the course of this that season. The 2016 Orioles, well, you know, we shouldn't be too uh, too displeased with a season that ended with a wild card berth, but it felt like that team, to me, should have um, been destined for better things than what they actually were. Of course, the fatal flaw was the starting rotation. Who knows what they would have been if they had a halfway decent starting rotation, but they didn't. Anyway, let's move on from old Orioles history, although just in comparison to last year, the Orioles are two games better because the 2022 Orioles were one and five in their first six games. So they are ahead of that pace. Thankfully, of course, three and three makes it a nice pace for 81 and 81 over a full season. We all have hopes that the Orioles are going to do better than that by the time we get to the end of the regular season. We'll see how it goes for now. Three games against the Yankees are coming up. But before we talk about the Yankees, let's look back on the last Royals game. Of course, they were not able to complete the sweep in that Texas series uh, in Grayson Rodriguez's debut. Rodriguez himself, he had a tough first inning. It was just enough to have you really fear that, well, at least have me really fear that it was going to be a complete disaster. He had some command problems for a changeup and slider while throwing 30 pitches in that first inning. I was on pins and needles the whole time, although I was not nearly as agonized as Grayson Rodriguez's dad, who was shown repeatedly on the Madison camera. Grayson's dad, he uh, he did not look like he was having a good time. Although if you saw the video after the game of Rodriguez and his dad embracing, you know that it was a very emotional moment uh, after the game was over. So I think I think uh, as as Jim Palmer said on the Madison broadcast, it's okay. We'll get through it as if he was talking to Rodriguez's dad. And indeed, it looks like he got through it. And as did Grayson Rodriguez, it ended up being five decent innings overall. Uh, you're always going to hope for maybe a six-inning start if you've got a guy giving up two two runs or whatever. But Rodriguez, 
Um, two runs allowed over five innings. It certainly could have been a lot worse. He had really after the first inning where he gave up the two runs, you know, he kept the Rangers off the board the rest of the way. And a bigger problem for the Orioles is that they lost the game five to two because the Orioles offense only had two hits in a game that was started by Jacob deGrom. deGrom struck out 11 batters. So, you know, it was always going to be a tough matchup if deGrom pitched something like he, we know that he's capable of pitching. Uh, I am personally reminded of going back. I had a teacher in middle school. His name was Mr. Thurs. He was a very big Orioles fan. And I remember in the spring of 1996, Mr. Thurs predicted that the Orioles were going to go 160 and two. Not serious, I assume, as I look back on it as an adult. And his theory was that the two losses were going to be games pitched by David Cohn, who was really one of the top starting pitchers around at that time. Um, the 1996 Orioles, of course, lost many more than two games. But if you're looking in 2023, who's your guy? You would say, well, they're going to lose game pitch by that guy, Jacob deGrom. You would definitely pick him. Um, of course, the other problem besides the fact that deGrom started the game and struck out 11 Orioles batters is that Austin Voth was not very good at all in relief. And Keegan Aiken in relief of Voth was not very good either, although his ERA did not get tagged to the same extent as Voth because Aiken mostly allowed inherited runners to score. So Voth was the big win probability added loser in that game. Uh, his contribution added a minus 25.4% chance for the Orioles to win that game. For the three losses, the, the WPA losers so far are Felix Bautista, Cole Irvin, and Voth. Both himself has a 15.43 ERA after his two outings. Both, he was a nice, surprising revelation, although he never really went beyond five innings in any of his starts last year, keeping his ERA in the threes. It maybe looked like the Orioles had found kind of a hidden diamond in the rough after he was released by, or cast aside, I should say, by the Nationals when he had an ERA near 10. And he went on to really have a nice uh, tenure with the Orioles towards the end of last season. Is that going to carry over into 2023? Well, early signs say no. I'm going to be curious to see how much longer the Orioles are going to wait out Voth's struggles because he is kind of the designated long guy in the bullpen at the moment. And if all he's going to do is come into games where a starting pitcher goes five innings or less and kind of light the game on fire while not really eating the uh, long relief innings that he's being counted on, He's not offering a whole lot of value to the team, and really what he is offering is negative value, that is making it harder for them to win, which, you know, now that wins and losses matter in 2023, we can't have that happening for much longer. So both, to me, both should be on notice. Of course, it's only two games. Uh, that's a small sample size, but it's a bad sample size, and I am uh, I'm not going to be looking forward to seeing him again until he has a string of good outings and turns that around. All right, that's enough about Austin Voth. Let's think about what's next for Grayson Rodriguez. That's really the big question for the Orioles rotation right now. The Orioles did not really necessarily commit to Rodriguez making further starts. I don't understand why they wouldn't have him do it, but you know, who knows? There's gamesmanship or maybe they're thinking weird things that I don't know about. What we do know is that Kyle Bradish is going to be on the 15-day injured list until at least April 19th, and that leaves room for two more starts for that turn through the starting rotation. That would be on the 11th, 
which will be a home game, and on the 16th. And so are the Orioles going to have Rodriguez start those games? Well, I sure as heck hope they are. And then the question will be, I guess, after those starts, what are they going to do with slotting Bradish back into the rotation? Because the only way he comes in is if someone gets hurt or if someone is displaced for either, uh, well, if, if they get hurt, they would be displaced or if they get injured, which of course, no one wants to see anybody get injured. Uh, I don't really want to see anyone pitch so poorly that they're a no-brainer to get replaced either. Um, Dean Kramer has not had a good first start, but he uh, he certainly showed a lot better in his 2022 campaign. And Tyler Wells was a big part of why the Orioles won the Monday game since he came in on very short notice, literally had to change into his game uniform because he was not expecting to be needed, and came in for five shutout innings in relief. That was pretty good. So, I, I mean, I, I want Kramer to rebound, and I want Wells to keep pitching well, so I don't want it to be like, okay, Bradish is back. Um, of course, it's always possible Bradish is on the injured list for more than the minimum 15 days. That depends on how severe his injury actually is. All we really know is there wasn't a break involved, but that doesn't mean that he will be able to just ice it for a couple of days and then start throwing again. Uh, he was not ramped up to regular season, um, you know, pitch count since he only got to go one and two thirds innings in his debut game when he got struck by the batted ball. So maybe the Orioles will want to bring him along slowly and that helps put off their what to do about the rotation problem if they have Bradish make a rehab start in the minors or two. We'll see what they end up doing with that. But I mean, as I said on the last podcast, I really hope that Rodriguez is going to stick around in the rotation for good from here. Um, of course, there are concerns what's going to happen with the command, but he did overcome them in his regular season debut in a way that he did not in the spring training games. So I really hope that the Orioles keep Rodriguez in the rotation. We're going to see what they end up doing. Um, we're not going to find out, I guess, until they announce the starters for the Oakland series that starts on Monday. I certainly, again, I just, I really hope it's Grayson Rodriguez. I, I don't know why you would want to give the Kevin Gossman treatment as the Orioles did in the Dan Duquette days to Gossman early in his career, jerking him around a lot. I just, as I said on the last episode, I really, I don't want to see that happen to Rodriguez. So that's how, that's our Orioles for right now. I will be back after a brief message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. So looking ahead to the next series, next up, it's the New York Yankees, those hated New York Yankees. They are 4-2 and two so far in the 2023 season, and there's one bit of good news for the Orioles coming into this series. They're not going to have to face Garrett Cole. He's already made his second start this season, and they've been two very good starts so far. Cole has a 0.73 ERA through his first two games. He has struck out 19 batters in 12 and a third innings. Of course, that's why... The Yankees paid the big money that they did to Cole. He's living up to that so far. It's nice that after the Orioles were shut down by DeGrom, they're not going to then have to turn around and face Cole in the series that is to come. Maybe a bigger problem for the Orioles is that the Yankees have hit 11 home runs so far in the 2023 season. Multiple home runs for each of Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, and Gleyber Torres. Torres, of course, an Oriole killer from several years ago. Judge and Stanton, well, they're pretty much everybody killers. So are the Orioles pitchers going to be up to the task of keeping those guys in the yard? Well, 
they've got Walter Moore on their side now. And uh, Aaron Judge did, as I seem to recall, famously whine about the change to uh, to the Camden Yards dimensions by saying it's like the Build-A-Bear ballpark or whatever he said, as if anyone who plays his home games in Yankee Stadium should make any disparaging comments about any other stadium's dimensions. Well, self-awareness, I suppose, is not one of his virtues. He does hit many home runs. We'll see what he can do in his follow-up, of course, to hitting as many as he did last year and setting the new American League record. Not so good for the Yankees so far. Well, one guy who's bad is the old Josh Donaldson. Now in his age 37 season, he so far is two for 16 on the season. He's only walked one time. A guy that old, you would have to wonder, well, is his goose cooked? But Donaldson, we've also seen him hit some uh, really good have some really good batting against the Orioles in his career. I hope that he does not uh, have one last gasp, so to speak, uh, against the Orioles over the next few days. Also, not doing so well so far is the new for the Yankees. That is their top prospect, Anthony Volpe, who so far is 3 for 17, although he does have four walks. It was a surprise after Volpe made the roster. Well, not surprising. He, he did very well in spring training, but no one really expected before spring training that he was going to make the opening day roster. Volpe is, like Gunnar Henderson, a 2019 draft pick. He was actually selected by the Yankees about a dozen picks before the Orioles selected Henderson. And now he's probably going to be one of the Rookie of the Year competitors if he lives up to anything like his potential. Of course, rookies may ne not necessarily start off quickly, so much like with Donaldson, I hope that Volpe does not start turning it around during this uh, these coming three games. But he's a good shortstop, and we're going to find out exactly how good, at least early in his career, over the course of this weekend. One feature I'd like to start doing on this podcast is go over a prospect of the day until I run out of prospects on a composite prospect list that I posted to camdenchat.com yesterday. And I, I, I say it's a composite prospect list because I took four big mainstream national top Orioles lists, as well as one local prospect list. That's the fellow Orioles podcasters, the pro, uh, prospect focus on the verge. And I just averaged all of those rankings together to come up with a top 20 Orioles prospect list. So again, you can find that on camdenchat.com. And I'm just going to start at number one today, which is, of course, Gunnar Henderson. And the main reason I'm starting at number one is because if I do it as a countdown in reverse order, it's going to be silly to still call Henderson a prospect. And perhaps even the number two prospect, spoiler, Grayson Rodriguez may not still have prospect status by the time if I did reverse order. Henderson, just as of this week, he no longer counts as a prospect because he has exceeded the threshold that Major League Baseball uses for that, which is 130 at-bats for hitters. You can also exceed it by having 45 days on the big league roster. But for Henderson, he reached 130 at-bats in his big league career. So he comes off the prospect list. He was the number one prospect on MLB Pipeline when he came off the list. Henderson, of course, we're all very excited about him now. You really, when he was drafted by the Orioles in the 2019 draft, the number 42 pick, he was the first pick of the second round. You wouldn't have known the name Gunnar Henderson unless you were really, really deep into the world of prospects. Now, Henderson, he was not a total zero of a prospect. On the Fangraphs prospect ranking going into that draft, he was the number 40 prospect. So number 40 prospect, the Orioles get him at number 42. 
they picked a player, at least according to that ranking, right about in the range where you would expect someone with that kind of talent. And along with that number 40 ranking, here it was the scouting report for Henderson before that draft. Quote, he's shown performance at times, but faced weak competition this spring, so some clubs are skeptical about his offensive ceiling. He's a shortstop for now, though more likely shifts to third base down the line. He's young for the class and has five tools that are 50 or 55, end quote. And by the way, if you don't know, the 50 and 55 reference is using the baseball scouting scale, which goes from 20 to 80. I do not understand it, but that's just what it is. So if you, uh, so 20 is the worst, 80 is the best, and 50 is right in the middle. So if you have a player who has five tools that are at least average, you know, that's okay. Uh, in fact, it's more than okay. That was a bit of an understatement. So Henderson always had some believers, but there are players like that who are taken uh, every year, and many of them just don't end up living up to the potential that you think that, the, or that a team convinces himself that the player is going to have. You just have to hope for the best, or hope that your te favorite team scouts, of course, in our case, the Orioles, really know what they're doing. And certainly with Henderson, it seems like the Orioles made a pretty darn good decision. Uh, in the 2022 season, he played his way into being the number one prospect in all of baseball. That is in large part because at the AA level, all before he turned 21 years of age, Henderson batted with a 312 average, 452 on base percentage, 573 slugging percentage. Then he got promoted to AAA Norfolk, where he posted an 894 OPS, and then got himself promoted to Baltimore, which... For the cynics out there, the promotion did happen to be conveniently timed for where the Orioles could bring him up and not have him lose his rookie status going into the 2023 season, which again, if you've if you've exceeded that 130 at-bat threshold, you won't carry rookie eligibility into the next season. So by calling him up just when they did, the Orioles both gave themselves a month of Gunnar Henderson's performance, but carried over the possibility that he could qualify as the rookie of the year in 2023, if, of course, he plays well enough. And that matters now because, of course, Major League Baseball has put in the prospect promotion incentive. The Orioles will get a bonus draft pick if Grayson Rodriguez, or, excuse me, if if either Grayson Rodriguez or Gunnar Henderson, uh, if, if either of them win rookie of the year, fingers crossed that it is an interesting competition. So Henderson has ended up looking actually better than a guy who's got only 50 or 55 in his five tools. The Fangraph scouting report on him now suggests he may have possible 70 power once he develops, which means a consistent 30-plus home runs per season. That would be pretty freaking exciting. If you're consistently hitting that kind of power, you're basically one of the game's premier power hitters. Henderson is also showing pretty uh, impressive stuff with his defense at third base, where it seems like the Orioles are going to leave him. His batting so far this season, well, he's only hitting 125, although he's walked enough that he's got a 364 on base percentage. So presumably the hits are going to start falling, and then we aren't going to have to worry for very long about Gunnar Henderson's hitting. He did, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, have a bit of a slow spring training. We heard well, he's trying to get his timing back, whatever. Maybe there's still a little work to do there, or maybe his getting a couple of hits in Texas was kind of um, him starting to turn it back on. We'll see what ends up happening with him. I am, of course, not worried about Henderson after six games. I think he's going to be fine, and I am plenty excited to see what he's able to do over however many out of the 162-game season the Orioles end up 
having him play. So that's our number one prospect for the 2023 season. It was unanimous on every list. Gunnar Henderson, no doubt about it, because he just he has been amazing at such a young age. And that is always encouraging for a prospect. So we'll see what ends up happening with him. But that's about all there is to say about the Orioles at this moment, or at least all for my short little 20-minute show. Uh, if you would like to have an email read on a future episode, you can always email me at CameronCastPod at gmail.com. I will try my best to read at least one email every episode. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing and leaving a rating or review. You can search for CamdenCast on most modern podcasting platforms. That's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and more. If it is missing on your favorite podcasting platform, please let me know and I will get it submitted and you can find it however you like to get podcasts. There will be new episodes of this show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning during the 2023 season. Maybe not this Monday. I may be having some family time on Easter and not recording an Orioles podcast. Although, who knows, if something awesome happens over the weekend, maybe I just won't be able to resist talking about it. But for now, don't expect me on Monday. I will be back on Wednesday, and hopefully we've got some good games to talk about between now and then. You can tweet at me, at Camden Chat on Twitter, and you can also follow the podcast feed, which is not yet fully up and running. It is at CamdenCast, and eventually we'll be interacting on there, as well as posting all the episode links. So I hope to hear from you in either email or tweet form. And uh, for now, that's all. So Good Morning Birdland is a Camden cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's.